Welcome to Lake Rising. I'm Rocky DeStefano, and we are here to help you live and work and play in Lake County. I'm Evo and Sue, and we're here to help make a better community. I'm Ryan Mazzell, and we're going to talk to local business owners and hear their story. And Sean Parks, you're you're muted for some reason. You're muted. <laughs> and I've I've already off to a bad start on this, aren't I, guys? This is my first time on the show doing this. But you know, what I was supposed to say was, I am Sean Parks, and we will explore the built and natural environments that make Lake County and Central Florida an awesome place to live. Coming to you from the underground broadcast studio bunker, I'm Larry the K. And the great things that are happening in Lake County, Florida, aren't anomalies. This county, this region, our community is on the rise. This is Lake Rising. All right, welcome. Nice one, Sean. Are we ready to Are we ready to do this? I'm going to have yeah. uh, Sean. Why don't you introduce our special guest? I feel like you're maybe you know since you know everything about Florida trivia, <laughs> we expect that you'll be able to help us here. I don't know if you should. I don't know if you, I don't know if you should let me do the introduction since I just botched my own introduction. I don't know if you can trust me with that. But. No, um, I appreciate that, uh, uh, guys. Today we have. Uh, I mean, this is a huge. I don't mean like physically huge, but this is a huge guest for us. I mean, we've got Congressman Ross Spano uh, on the show today with us to talk all things Lake County and Central Florida from the federal perspective. As our listeners know, we have uh, spent a great deal of time, especially the last couple of shows, talking about the importance of, you know, paying attention to what goes on locally in your local elections and why you need to participate in the process. And it's it's a civic responsibility, as we said. Dang it. It's a civic responsibility to to uh, know what's going on at all levels of government and and to participate and educate yourself. Well, here we are tonight. Today, we have um, our congressman. Uh, Congressman Ross Spano, who represents, you know, basically half of Lake County, the southern half, and uh, uh, has done a, a wonderful job, in my opinion, um, uh, for us uh, so far. And uh, we have the privilege and honor of having him on our show tonight. So we're going to start by, um, I know you all have some questions, but we always kind of start traditionally with uh, maybe a little bit about your bio and uh, Congressman, if you could tell us, you know, what's going on and who you are, we, we know who you are, but if you could tell our listeners, that would be great. Probably a good place to start. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you, Commissioner. I appreciate it. It's really, really good to be with you guys tonight. Thanks for making me feel so comfortable. Uh, it is awesome. Uh, awesome to share a few minutes with you and just chat in kind of an informal setting. Uh, I'm Ross Spano. I am uh, incredibly honored and privileged to, uh, to represent a uh, portion, as uh, Sean just said, a portion of Lake County, uh, in which it, which is in the 15th Congressional District, Florida's 15th Congressional District, uh, in the United States House of Representatives. And I've been there almost uh, almost two years. This is my first term there. Uh, I'm a Florida native of uh, actually fourth generation, been here a, a long time, uh, born and raised here, um, raised my family here, married 30 years, f- four kids, two grandkids, uh, had a dog. Just got rid of him. Oh, uh, oh. I actually gave, gave him gave him to my mom because my wife and I are traveling so much back and forth to Washington, and the poor guy was here by himself all the time. So, anyways, he's in good hands. Okay, that's um, good. That's good. That's to good, hear. good. It's a good ending. Good ending. 
Congressman, um, yeah. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Tell me what it's like to be in Washington, D.C., doing your congressman duties. Yeah, I'll tell you, it is, um, it's somewhat, I was in the Florida legislature for three terms, so it's somewhat like that. You know, the relationships, relational dynamics are somewhat similar, certainly relationship with your constituents, relationship with colleagues and so forth, but the the level of the intensity and the issues and the pace with which you got to jump from, from one thing to another is like going from maybe double uh, A baseball to the major leagues. I mean, that's kind of the best way I can describe it. Uh, and so you really kind of have to have your head on a swivel um, and you kind of really have to be watching out for things coming from all angles. But I mean, it's an incredible honor. It, there's a, it's a, it's very kind of divisive environment as you're not going to be surprised mm-hmm. to hear today. We see that. Um, so it's a divided year of divided government. And um, I will say that there are, there is some bipartisan kind of friendship going on, but Kind of what you see on the on the news and the, and the media in terms of the divisiveness is kind of what you get in Washington. It's, it's unfortunate, but that's kind of the way it is. Um, but in any event, so um, I don't know if there's a specific question I, I, as far as, you know, kind of what it's like. But I will say it is um, I remember the, the first time I walked on the floor of the house to give you that. And I, and I and I kind of thought to myself, you know, how did I how did this happen? You know, I was expecting any second for the sergeant of arms to come grab me. And, <laughs> because it's really high. there's just not it's not possible and uh, so i kind of still feel that feeling every time i walk into the chamber it's just, it's just an amazing amazing feeling still humbled still incredibly honored to uh you know to serve the, the good people of uh, of florida's 15th congressional district well i tell you the blue carpet in that room just blew me away it's just so <laughs> magnificent yeah it is it really is and and it's so true how how the congressman has said it's it's kind of you know, there's so many different moving parts and so many different things are happening. Um, even when I was up in there, up there in D.C., it really felt like every single week was a whole different subject or, or area that you had to really focus on. And if you weren't on the ball, you get left behind very quickly, very, yeah. very quickly. That's right. And it seems like the, the, the news cycles obviously are ever changing. And so what seems like such a huge, you know, issue one week, it's like, what was that? You know, there's a there's a new there's a new issue now we're dealing with. And so and you have to be just as, you know, knowledgeable. You have to be just as energized. You have to be you know, just as focused on that new issue that the American people are focused on for that week. And I can I can appreciate everything you do, Congressman, because um, and I think you can attest to this up in D.C., especially at the congressional level. There are many different types of members that you'll come across. And everybody has their own different way of working or, you know, how, how, how much they engage with their staff and everything. Some people are very hands-on. Some people like to have their hand held. Um, you know, I've seen some, some uh, congressmen and women who are walking through the halls and they'll have three or four staff members behind them. And then you'll have some who are by themselves because they know exactly what they're trying to do. So, <laughs> Yeah, that, that is true. And it's interesting because the office will sometimes, just like in a business, I guess, uh, or any institutional organization, the office takes on the dynamic or the personality of, of the member sometimes, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Um, so I've always been a very hands-on kind of a person. I, I, for better or worse, I like to know what's going on. I want to be engaged. I actually take my staff once every other week. I'll take each individual staff member out for coffee. and I'll say, hey, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? How can I better myself? It really gives me a good opportunity not only to, to, to self-critique and help them critique me, but 
stay connected with all of my people because you really are. The strength of your office is, mm-hmm. is directly related to the strength of the people that you have working for you. That's very true. So I, I'm always impressed with anyone who chooses to run for public office. I've watched um, Evo run several <laughs> campaigns. I've watched Sean and what he goes through. Um, and I, I do feel like in, in, to some degree it has to be a calling. Like you have to feel like this is what you were called to do. Talk about, um, you know, the reasons why you decided to run and, and what gets you excited about it. I am so glad that you asked me that question. Um, so I owned a small business for a decade and a half, uh, s- small law practice. And my dad was a small business owner. He was a builder. So I came from small business background. I myself had a business. And I tell you, for the, almost the entire period of time that I owned that business, I felt like I was on my own most of the time. Certainly, most, most of my political representatives didn't care who I was for the most part. I, didn't, I certainly didn't have any lobbyists. I couldn't afford to pay lobbyists right, to lobby for what I needed and what I wanted. I, so I was just like, I was banging my head against the wall every week, trying to make payroll, trying to get new clients, try, you know, trying to make things work, living the American dream. I just didn't feel like anybody in government was fighting for me. And so I said, dang it, if I ever, ever have a chance to run and advocate for and fight for small businesses... I'm going to do that. And that was actually the reason I ran for the, the very first time in 2012 for the Florida legislature. And every, ever since then, I really had that as a passion for me to be, you know, I know there are others, but I want to be at least the one guy who is fighting for the little guy, the underdog, little guy or gal that's out there just, just trying to make it work and live their, their version of the American dream. And so we've been able to do that actually this first term in Congress with this CARES Act, with uh, the PPP program, the Paycheck Protection Program, I was instrumental in getting that passed in the House. And uh, so it's been just incredibly rewarding to know that we've had, uh, you know, an actual, uh, you know, hand in, in saving so many jobs and so many businesses. Yeah, I love hearing that about small businesses. I've always felt like it's the backbone of America. And I think more people work for small businesses than than people realize. Um, how How... How do we get through, and, and maybe this is a question you can't answer, but um, the, the divisiveness, I've never felt this, this bad. How do you see a way through it? It's a great question, and I get it quite often. Uh, and I see, I, I think the only way through it is for, you know, people of kind of reasonable temperaments to set an example for what, uh, what it looks like to disagree agreeably. But we've forgotten how to do that. We don't know how to do that in America anymore. If you disagree, you're called a name, you're, you know, you're, you're, the cancel culture wants to shut you up or muzzle you or they yell at you or whatever. Uh, and so that's, that's not good. So we have to be vigilant in speaking the truth and what we believe to be the right way forward, listening and, and, and not doing what we, you know, don't want the other side to do to us. We have to listen. But, but what we believe, we have to be able to articulate it in a winsome way and hopefully win the day with, with argument as, as opposed to name-calling and, uh, and, and other efforts to impugn and, 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 uh, and criticize and so forth. So the way forward, hopefully, is for people uh, that, that want to see it done right to set the example. Here, here, here's, here's the concern, and I'm not telling you, you guys anything you don't know, but what gets covered in the media is what? What gets covered by the media is the guy who yells the loudest, the guy who says the most salacious 
most sensationalized thing. That's that's where the media wants to go. So it's not the guy that's reasoned and measured. People don't want to see that, unfortunately, in today's culture. And so I think that's why, although you have men and women in Congress and in leadership, even at all levels, that are willing to lead in that way, unfortunately, we don't get the coverage that some of the others do. And I, was, I think that's unfortunate. I was going to say, when do you start speaking out? You know, when do you make your voice heard? Yeah. Well, what you do is you, you do it through venues like this. Uh, I do it uh, every chance I get when I speak to a Rotary Club or I, I, I try and get on Fox News. Unfortunately, as a newbie, the only thing they'll let me on at this point is Fox and Friends First at yep. about 4, 4.30 a.m. <laughs> yep. So it's, That's not bad. You know, so if, if you've got insomnia, you know, come check it out, and, uh, and I'll be you know, saying, saying what, I, what I believe. I'll be supporting the president there, and I'll be uh, you know, supporting and, and advocating for what I believe to be the proper way forward for the country. But you do it. You try and get, to get on the national media. You certainly do it on local media. And I do it through our social media. I do it through our Facebook. I do it through our, our website. We have uh, regular town hall meetings at least once a, once a month. Over the last year, we've had a, a town hall meeting where we'll dial out to twenty five or 30,000 constituents. And maybe we get 10,000 people to, uh, to pick up the phone and listen to us for a bit. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not easy to break through uh, the noise, but, but we're doing our best to do that. And, and, and one of the things I just love hearing from constituents and when I'm in the community and I hear it quite regularly is, you know, I really appreciate how you communicate with your constituents. I really appreciate that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing my job. Ryan, did you have a question? Yeah. Congressman, first of all, high props in communication, because I think that is so important, especially coming from an elected official. Um, one of the questions I, I wanted to know, because we're, you know, we're one of those venues that I, I believe that uh, you don't have to yell and shout and, and do all those things to get attention. What, what are you proud of right now? What are you excited for in the future? Whether that's something you're working on or proposal or something, what are you excited about going into this year at the end of this year and the following? Yeah, I love it. Thanks for that great question. So I mentioned one thing earlier, that's the, what we've done through the PPP program. In, the, in Florida's 15th district, we have saved 68,000 jobs, 68,000 jobs, PPP loans to 6,900 businesses. Um, so I'm proud of that. I'm very proud of that. I think we actually need to, depending on what happens with this next uh, relief package, uh, there's still $130 billion in that tranche of money that we allocated to help small businesses. So I'm hopeful maybe that we can extend that. Uh, I'm hopeful that we can maybe offer it as help to some of the hardest hit small businesses, uh, like some of the folks in the, in the service industries, uh, restaurateurs and so forth that have been really, really hard hit. Uh, so that's something we'd like to see to do, uh, continue to do. One of the other things I haven't had a chance to talk about that I'm really proud of and, I, and I'm really passionate about is our veterans, helping our, our veterans. Uh, in Florida's 15th district, we actually have more veterans that live in our district than any other uh, congressional district in the state of Florida. And so veterans mean a lot to me. Uh, so uh, this last uh, NDAA or National Defense, Au Defense Authorization Bill that passed just a couple of weeks ago, we were able to get two pieces of legislation in that bill that I'm really proud of. One of them is actually called the Boots to Business Bill. And it actually uh, allows the SBA to provide counseling to members of the active duty that are transitioning to the private life to help them and their family start and grow small businesses. So that's one. That's really cool. The other thing that's is that awesome. 
Yeah. The other thing is it, it actually would require the SBA to actually certify that uh, a contract that's being provided to a, a veteran-owned small business that is, you know, has set aside uh, a contract with the government, federal government for a veteran-owned small business, that the business is actually owned by a veteran. If you can believe, I don't know if you, can, you probably can. I couldn't believe it when I found out. But right now, for SBA uh, small business uh, set asides for veteran-owned businesses, all you have to do is just say, "Yeah, I'm a I'm, I'm a veteran-owned business." or I'm a, a service-disabled veteran-owned business. You don't have to provide any documentation. The SBA does no confirmation. There is nothing that demonstrates that that business is a veteran-owned business. I think that's stolen valor. So that also was included in the NDAA. So super, super proud uh, of that. Um, and we're going to continue to work. We've got some other things we're working on for veterans. Uh, I could go on all, all, all night about things I'm excited about. We're also excited about some of the things we're getting done for transportation, uh, we were able to finally get some resources to our cities and municipalities around uh, the district who had been waiting on FEMA reimbursement as a result of some of the hurricanes that had come through several years ago. We were finally able to do that. Uh, and I'm still looking for a solution to our problem along the I-4 corridor, which runs right through the heart of our district. Uh, and so we're working on some uh, some solutions to that as well. So there's just a few of the things. I do appreciate that, by the way, with your work on I-4. And the transportation was a, as a, as a question that I had for you. You kind of just touched on it. But, you know, of all things, you would think that this is something Democrats and Republicans, if you're American, basically, yeah. you should agree that we need to get something done with transportation. That I know uh, conservative agenda is very pro-business, which, as, as am I, uh, is, is why we need to do this. Um, uh, not only for that for business, but for quality of life. So, what what do we do? What what's going to happen next with that, uh, Congressman? I mean, how can we get that done? Yeah, that's a good question. And so, you do touch on what has traditionally been the bipartisan nature of transportation issues in Washington, mm-hmm. and it's one of the reasons why I asked to be placed on the Transportation Infrastructure Committee because I knew the president had been talking about wanting to get a big transportation deal done for infrastructure and so forth. I knew perennially it was a bipartisan committee said, Hey, this is an important issue for my district. I want to be on this and on this committee. That's why I went on it again. Unfortunately, even transportation, this last uh, two years has been politicized. So for, so for example, the, what we call the surface transportation bill, which sets forth the policy for all the surface transportation, whether it's roads, rail, uh, highways and so forth. Uh, it's typically uh, bipartisan, and that has that became a partisan bill uh, during this this, this mm-hmm. two years. Uh, we actually did not even know what the, the bill legislation was or looked like or did until about 48 hours before the, the hearing. And uh, we were not offered, we were not brought into the drafting process, which we typically are. Uh, we were not allowed amendments. Uh, so it was very disheartening. Um, and uh, so I'm hopeful that moving forward, that won't be the case. Uh, I think, unfortunately, I'm just being very frank with you. I don't think the Democrats wanted the president to get a, a, a win uh, in the transportation space. And, uh, and so that's why the, the bill that came out, the surface transportation bill, actually, uh, most of it, believe it or not, well, about 40% was Green New Deal type stuff. It had nothing to do with, uh, with transportation. That's, that's unfortunate. Uh, but I will say, you know, if, if and when we start working together, we're going to have to come up with a solution uh, for, for funding transportation. Right now, we rely on our gas tax. 
people are cars are they, they've got you know better miles to the gallon. Uh, many people are driving now electric vehicles, uh, and so we've got a, we, And so essentially, the funding source that we've been using to fund highways and so forth over the last twenty years is now becoming smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So the question is, how do you fund transportation? And so we begun talking about a user fee. Maybe you, 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 you pay a fee by the number of miles that you drive instead of taxed on how many gallons of gas so that whether you're driving an electric vehicle yep. or you're having a natural gas powered vehicle or it's a gas vehicle, you're paying essentially the same thing. So uh, these are all things that are kind of in the queue in terms of how we're going to pay for transportation. That's, that is the big $64,000 question, however, that we're going to have to answer in the next uh, probably decade or so. You're exactly right, um, especially in terms of uh, the gas tax and everything. Uh, I, I tell you what, you know, people should be paying their fair share when it comes to, you know, having to pay for infrastructure since, hey, we all use it. So well, totally part of the problem is I'm only driving like half of what I used to mm-hmm. because of this uh, pandemic thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not buying that much more gas. Yeah, it, it's 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 gonna it's something that it's a challenge that we're gonna be faced with in the coming years because we've got to be able to fund and and uh, uh, you know this infrastructure that's falling apart not only just roads but even some of our water infrastructure which is you know utilities stormwater uh, which is degrading all over the country because quite frankly this is my editorial just misplaced priorities and deferred maintenance and kicking the can down the road. Um, and, and not suggesting, Congressman, that you're doing that, but, but you know, that's uh, the problem that we're faced with these days is just that deferred maintenance and kicking the can down the road, not thinking long term. And, you know, here we are, we've got crumbling roads and, and water infrastructure. So it's a challenge. I, yeah, that's well, I don't know how you do it. I've, everybody's got an idea, but uh, to work together like that in that environment on even on something like transportation is just it's just, you know, it's. Um, discouraging. Yeah, well, I might ask you, Commissioner, what do you, what do you think about, uh, you know, in terms of building new roads and so, so forth, public-private types of partnerships? Are you, are you okay with that? Are you skeptical of public-private partnerships, or where, do you, where are you at on that? No, I think, uh, I think it's definitely something that we have to look at. Um, you know, it, you have to be careful about what you get into, but, you know, the, the private side has a lot of innovative solutions, those that have been in business, those entrepreneurs that are going to be able to step forward have some capital, see an opportunity in the free market to help help uh, help themselves, but then also help government because government basic role of government is infrastructure and security, right? And you know we we've been uh, neglecting those areas, quite frankly, particularly with infrastructure. And you know so we've got to be able to do that. It's the one thing people are counting on us to do. And if there's a free market solution, business solution, I'm all I'm all for it. Um, and I know I know you are too. And I hope you were able to, to clear any kind of federal barriers to that. Uh, I know it's more, you deal more with the federal roads um, and, and we get a portion of that, uh, a sizable portion in Florida that goes to DOT, but, but uh, anything you can do there to help us um, is, is greatly appreciated. And uh, you know, you, we've got some federal roads. You made a statement a little earlier that you said the Democrats didn't want the president Trump to win something I, from where I sit, I see the Democrats don't want the president to win anything or you to win anything. How well, are we going to get around that? Well, we're going to have to get control of the House of Representatives back. 
um, at the end of the day. Uh, so look, this is a, it is a, we talked, we started the, the program, I think, talking about the divisiveness and the reason that things in part things are so divisive in addition to the media is that we have two very different ideas about what we believe to be the proper way forward for the country, right? And I don't know that that difference has ever been really, frankly, any clearer than in this election cycle. And so the Democrats think their way is the way. And uh, so uh, they, yeah, they'll, they'll fight tooth and nail and do, you know, just about anything to make sure the president doesn't win, including not giving him a win on transportation or, as you mentioned, anything at all. Uh, so I think, you know, for those of us who believe that, that, uh, that the, the conservative way forward is the best way that, uh, that, that government, government should be limited, that, that liberty should be uh, granted and protected for individuals, that, that the private sector and freedom is the best way forward uh, and creates the most opportunity, um, then we have to elect people that believe those things. And we have to be able to articulate, particularly this younger generation, about why our way you know, is, is the right way. I, I said the other night just to a crowd, I said, you know, and I've heard it before, but I think it's, it's important and I think it's, it, it resounds, especially with younger people, that freedom, freedom is always a new idea, right? Every generation wants freedom. So if we can talk about what we believe to, to be the right way forward in terms of freedom versus bondage or freedom versus having a government that tells you everything from what you put in your car to what you put in your mouth to uh, every other aspect of your life. I think that we will be able to maybe win the day in terms of what, what, you know, where we go from here. But yeah, but that's, I mean, that's why the Dems don't want the president to have a win because they think that government is the answer. And uh, we happen to disagree with that. Great. Ryan. Yeah. Congressman. Yes, I, I kind of had one more question along that vein, and this kind of gives you an opportunity to dream a little bit. Assuming that you could make any law happen, any piece of legislation you wanted to pass would pass, you get to choose one, what would you do? Oh, this is good. Okay. Okay, can I have two, or do I just get one? You can have two. Well, you know, we'll, maybe let's we'll give, give you two. Give yeah, two. You know, we're, we're, we'll give you two. Right. Okay. <laughs> two most important things that will allow the American people to wrestle control of their government back from Washington. Number one, term limits. Ah. Number two, mm-hmm. a balanced budget amendment. Mm. Balanced I like budget. it. And term limits. Those are the two most important things. Okay, if you get term limits, the trouble is, as I understand it, you've still got the same uh, staff that's going to be there, right? Does the staff change? Uh, no, the staff will not change. But let me, let me, you know, I have experience with term limits in, in the Florida legislature, and that was commonly an argument that was uh, conveyed to me. Well. Staff's going to have all the control then and not going to be elected the representatives. Well, what I say is if, if the staff has control, shame on me as the elected representative. I'm the one that was elected. You work for me. I actually had a couple of instances when early on in the Florida legislature where I had a staff said, well, we don't, we don't do things that way. We've never done that before. We try, I'm like, let me tell you something. You weren't elected. Mm-hmm. Your name wasn't on the ballot. Mine was. This is what we will do. So, we're elected. We've got to put our foot down. We have to lead. So is there a danger? Is there a risk that staff begins to get control? Yes. I think that the dangers of having uh, a, a political elite 
culture far outweighs that concern. Uh, in, the thing about the term limits in, in, in Tallahassee was you had eight years and you knew you were going to get something done. You had to get it done in eight years. You were the speaker for two years or you were the president of the Senate for two years. And dadgummit, you were going to leave a legacy. So you were going to get something done in that two years instead of guys and gals in Washington, which they're not thinking about getting really anything done for the American people. You know what they're thinking? All right, how can I leverage this particular situation to become Speaker of the House or to become Chairman of Appropriations in 20 years or in 15 years? They're not, they don't care about the American people for the most part, okay? How am I going to leverage my power? And the other thing is when you're in D.C. for so long, you begin to become more uh, tied to, more beholden to the folks inside that beltway. The guy that you play golf with on the weekend, that lobbyist, the guy you had dinner with, it's human nature. You get close to these people and then you're not thinking about the people back home. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you know you're going home in eight years, guess what? You know, you're going to have to do business with that person again. You're going to have to live across the street from that person again. It changes your entire mentality about how you lead and how you serve. Good answer. Good. Answer. Love that Congressman. Love that. Really appreciate those answers. Yeah. Well, I think it's time that we're going to just kind of wrap this up. Um, but we have this trivia thing that we've got to deal with. And as Sean has suggested that we go with some historic trivia. So yeah, Larry, do you have to, do we have to acknowledge our sponsor first though? Oh, I, what a good I'm idea. Produ- I'm not even the producer and I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> reminding you of that. There we go. Who is the sponsor? Discover the art of winemaking at Lake Ridge Winery. We specialize in the production of unique premium wines, which have won over 750 awards for winemaking excellence. Join us for a complimentary winery tour and sample our wines. Then browse through our unique wine shop for a section of gourmet foods and gifts for the wine enthusiast in your family. We invite you to visit our website and learn more about our wine and music festivals. Our wines are also available in your local supermarket or wine shop. Lake Ridge Winery, dedicated to your good taste. All right. Well, we we took a break, and Abbo's got another question. <laughs> this will be the last one, though. This will be the last one. Um, so, so Congressman, you obviously know, uh, being somebody who has ran multiple times for re-election and, and having to essentially fend off multiple challengers, this year being no different, um, What? how do you find, I guess, the motivation or the new drive, I guess, to come out and, and show the people why you should be the one who should be reelected in your primary or even in your general. Um, Cause I know definitely probably sometimes you're like, man, here we go again. Here comes another guy, you know? So I'd love yeah. to hear that from you. Yeah. And in the house it's every two years. And so it's a constant reelect kind of mentality. And so I would say as long as I stay grounded and I remember why I'm doing what I'm doing. And if I continue to have a passion to believe that, that what I'm fighting for matters for my kids and my grandkids, as long as I have the, like the fire burning in my belly to, to think that I can actually fight for those things and make a difference, then, then I'll continue to do it. But it is a good question, and I'll be frank with you, almost every election cycle when we get this close, the thought does occur to me, wow, this is hard. Mm-hmm. This is really hard. Because it's not just you, it's your family, your children, your wife, it's your circle of friends. It seems like you all kind of walk through it together. 
Uh, but I would, but that's a great question, but I would just say, you know, I just, I know what I'm fighting for and why I'm fighting for it. And for me, it is a mission. You think you, you mentioned that word because it, you know, it has to be a mission. It's a calling. It's a calling. And when you have a calling in your spirit and in your heart for something, you can just about do anything because you know, you're there, you're, you're there for a mission and for a purpose. And so that's, I still got that, that fire burning in my belly. And as long as I have it, I'll continue to fight. Awesome. That's all right. We got the questions wrapped up now, guys. I think so. Are we ready for a little trivia? (laughs) And Congressman, you can join in here. I'm sorry we're not going to have multiple choice, but I think some of these answers you may know the answer to. We set it up to be a little easier for you, Congressman. Not that you need the help. (laughs) All right. Here we go. The first question on the big trivia question for the night is, what city was the first capital of the United States? What city was the first capital of the United States? How do we answer? I think I know this. All right. Well, okay, we're going to go with Rocky. Rocky, what's your, what's your first answer? I, I think it was Philadelphia. All right. Rocky says PA. Okay. Ryan, you got an answer for me? It's 100% Philadelphia. Philadelphia. All right. Ebo? I think it's New York. Oh, Ooh, New York. Sean? Ooh, wow. Yeah, I'm definitely going with Philly. Philadelphia, all right. And Congressman? So, you know, I was thinking New York, and now you guys got me questioning myself. (laughs) Uh, Follow follow your instincts. Trust us. I'll stick with New York. There you go. go. Way to go. You are correct. It was New York City. (laughs) What? So close. Yep, the very first one was New York. Yeah. Okay, and when was the Declaration of Independence signed? Ooh. Oh, I know this, but there's a t- this is a trick question, of course. Well, when was it? This is the truth. When was it really signed? Officially and finally. Do you think mm. it was July 4th? No. Yeah. It's July 3rd. I'm going July 3rd. Okay, July 3rd. Congressman's got an answer for me. I can see on his face. Well, actually, I, I, I don't. I, I, I thought it was a period of months where, where it, it took months for, 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 for the delegates to sign. Okay. Can, can, I, can I change my answer there? I think it was July 2nd. It was actually July 2nd. Oh, yeah, Sean. He, Sean, let's see your phone. Can it be... Uh, <laughs> my phone is right here. It's fully. It's nothing. Why is it on Google? Yeah. Does Rocky have an answer for us? I, I honestly felt like the congressman. I thought it was over several months in a certain year. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but I but I'm gonna go uh, July second because I believe Sean cheated again. Oh, <laughs> Ryan. You know, I just uh, I just feel like June 28th is really speaking to me. June 28th. <laughs> really? Wow. Just speaking okay. to me. Evo, you know okay. all of history. What do you think the answer I is? I think it's July 3rd. I don't. July know the 3rd. Day. Well, the congressman know. really wins this one for sure because it was August 2nd. 1776. Okay. So it was oh, a month okay. later. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Good job for the congressman. Very right. good. Very good. I knew it was 1776. Well, yeah. Just because Hamilton is his favorite Broadway show, you know, he knows all this. Okay. Yeah. What started, what's, we're going to come to the Midwest now. This is my territory. What started the Great Chicago Fire in 1871? What started that fire that wiped out the city of Chicago? 
It was, uh, wasn't it, wasn't it a, um, like a horse and buggy wreck? <laughs> okay. Horse and buggy wreck is what Sean says. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Ryan's got an answer for me. I can tell. Mm, you know, it's that pensive look I have on my face. Um, I'm going to go with a camel cigarette. <laughs> Ebo, do you have an answer? I'm gonna. I feel like somebody was cooking in their in their house yeah, and just burned it over I, or something. That's kind of what I think too. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go with the kitchen fire. Okay, Rocky. I'm gonna second that because I and I know this. I, I or I should know it because I took a tour and I remember them saying it, but I don't remember. But I'm gonna go kitchen fire. Yeah. Congressman, have you been to Chicago? I have. I, I, I don't know why I'm thinking this. It's probably wrong. I'm thinking about conflating two stories, but I, it seems like I remember there was like a cow that kicked over. Yes. A land yes. Yeah, the story is Mrs. Yes. O'Leary's cow kicked over a lantern. Okay, I see. But the answer really is it remains uncertain what started oh. the fire. Oh, there it is. So you don't, you don't mess around, Congressman. These are the kind of level of questions you get. They're like trick questions and... <laughs> okay, everybody's been to Philadelphia tonight, so here's a question for Philadelphia. What does the Liberty Bell? Uh, what does the Liberty Bell have a? Why does the Liberty Bell have a crack? Why does the Liberty Bell have a crack? Uh, I'm gonna go with it was improperly forged. Yeah. Wow, very okay. Yeah, I'm gonna second that's, that. Okay, that's my answer too. And I think that it was actually the second one. And the first one also was misforged. So they tried again, and it also cracked. And the congressman says? Ditto. Ditto that, yeah. All right, yes. The answer is shoddy craftsmanship. Shoddy so craft. you, oh, you guys are all right. I was going to say the that, that bell's worth a lot of money now, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, our last and final question for the evening. This is the big one. Why was Chicago nicknamed the Windy City? Why was Chicago? These are my my kind of town, you know, Chicago, Chicago. Chicago. Why is it called the Windy City? <laughs> I I mean, I think it's because of these the not the ratio, but the aspect of the big the big buildings creating a wind tunnel. Okay, wind tunnel for Rocky. It's really windy. It's, like it, it's yeah. Jebo says it's windy. <laughs> okay, you know, it's win, it's I'm gonna go cold. with. Uh, Ryan says, I'm gonna say a very transient population. Okay. <laughs> population. Whoa, <laughs> Sean. Okay, uh, I'm gonna. That's intriguing, Ryan. But I'm gonna go with. Um, it's just really windy and cold. Cold, okay. And that's why they that's why they want to move to Florida. Well, that's true. And then they want to vote Democratic and ruin us. Yeah, Congressman, <laughs> one last chance here. Yeah, I always thought it was because the proximity to the lake and oh. the, the, the lake, whatever, the dynamic of the lake right there. Yeah, Lake Michigan. Well, here we go. The correct answer is because... 
It's the home of a lot of windbag politicians. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, That's wow. Funny. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't see that one. I should have seen that one coming, Larry. Yeah, that yeah. one's uh, for, for us who are having so much politicians tonight. All right. Well, right. That, that was what? <laughs> no, you're right. No, you're right. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and we have a new one in the back right here. Abbo. <laughs> Not Whoa! Not, not yet, maybe. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah Congressman um, uh, Rocky made a, uh, an announcement at the last show when we were talking about local politics about his uh, potential mayoral uh, campaign there, right? Rocky, you know, no, no, you're still not. You're not going to do it. Sadly, even though I own two businesses in the city, I do not live in the city, and so I cannot run for mayor, which makes no sense to me. But she I, I politicians. Yeah, I cannot run for mayor. Okay. But you can run from the mayor. Yes. Yeah, which I've heard you guys are doing. Well, I, I'm. thank you very much for being on the program. Thank you, thank you very much, Congressman. Oh, yeah, I Congressman, thank you. It's such a blast. I can't, honestly, this is the most fun I had in a long time. Had <laughs> <laughs> a good time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you, Congressman. Thank you, Congressman. And good luck on your reelection. Good luck. You, you. Got our, you got our votes. Yeah. Good luck and good luck, and we'd love to have you come back on at some point uh, later on, maybe in a couple months or six months down the road. We'd love to have you back on. When, Let's make it happen. When, Thank you, guys. When we get a Republican House. <laughs> there you go. To celebrate. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. Okay. You all? Okay. Good job, guys. He disappeared. Did I hear a uh, toilet flush? No toilet. Somewhere. 